0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
1: In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God, Amen. amen. One of the highlights of my uh, seminary education was a two-week uh, uh, experience that was referred to as the January plunge. Uh, we would spend two weeks in various ministry situations, very different from what we're used to. Some people traveled quite a ways from Evanston, Illinois. They'd go out west to California. They'd go to the Midwest. Uh, a couple of us uh, needed to stay close to home. So we decided we would find something on the south side of Chicago, some congregation that we might be able to connect to. We found uh, an an Episcopal church. that was wonderful. African-American thriving Episcopal Church. And we also found the Apostolic Church of God. Now, the Apostolic Church of God was founded by Bishop Brazier. Bishop Brazier was well known in the African-American community in Chicago. Uh, He was a friend of Martin Luther King's. He was very active in the civil rights movement. (coughs) He had grown that church from about 100 members to 20,000 plus. They had gone through three building projects just to accommodate the growth of their parish. It's located in the Woodlawn neighborhood on the south side of Chicago, Uh, a neighborhood that at one time was upper middle class African-American. But over the years, it deteriorated, and there were places where it looked like a war zone had been bombed out. So what that church had done was to begin to revitalize the neighborhood. They worked with uh, the city of Chicago. Uh, Places were cleared so that they could build housing. And their hope was, and I think they've succeeded to some degree, was to attract middle-class African-Americans back to the old neighborhood. Well, there were so many wonderful things about that place. Uh, One one program that I want to mention for sure, they had a program for young boys and for young girls on how to become an adult. And for the girls, it was what how to dress, how to put on makeup, the appropriate kind of makeup so that they would fit in for the boys. It was about taking responsibility. It was wonderful, especially when you think about so many of these young folks did not have role models uh, to help them. Well, church there on a Sunday morning was an experience. (laughs) The the preaching was good and powerful, and the choir was wonderful. They had great music, and it was one hour long. (laughs) I know some of you would appreciate that, (laughs) like my wife. (laughs) But there was something else that was very different about it. Every Sunday, there was an altar call, and then there was a baptism. Well, when we visited, we didn't quite get the connection between the altar call and the baptism. But we came back on Monday, and there was a young man, Caucasian, who was, the, was to be our guide in taking us through the facility so we'd understand, you know, what this was all about, how they were set up. And he told his own story about coming to the Apostolic Church of God. He said that uh, he came and they uh, had the altar call. He went forward and confessed his faith to Christ as his savior. And then they ushered everybody out of a side door and they took him up to the second floor. And there was a room for the men, another one for women with white robes that were there. And they said, now it's time to get ready to be baptized. And He said, no, I don't want to be baptized. Well, he finally managed to get himself out of that situation. He was at home on Monday morning and he said he got a call from Bishop Brazier. He wanted to talk with him about baptism. (laughs) So he was eventually baptized. Well, this uh, young man took us through this baptismal area. And there were two rooms. There were robes, uh, white robes on hooks that people would change out of their regular clothes to get ready to be uh, baptized. And, of course, it's full immersion. And he showed us the, uh, the immersion pool, the baptism pool. And it was uh, on the second floor, so there would be panels that would open up so the congregation would be able to see the baptism. Uh, he later uh, became the driver for Bishop Brazier and also his personal assistant. And was very taken by Bishop Brazier. We met with Bishop Brazier, and I, I can tell you he was an amazing man, very charismatic and full of faith. Wonderful man. I mention this story, especially today on this uh, celebration of the first Sunday after Epiphany, where we always read about the baptism of Jesus, because uh, it's important for us, I think, to uh, consider our own baptism. There are obviously two different ways in the Christian tradition to be baptized. One is believer's baptism, and that's what I observed, and in a way that I could not have uh, imagined, I don't think. I mean, they're so intent on that that once you confess your faith, you're baptized right there, that Sunday. That is a different kind of baptism from ours, and ours is a sacramental act. And I'll talk later about what distinguishes these two. But I also want to be sure that, you know, that I in no way want to denigrate believers baptism. I think that God honors that as much as our sacramental baptism. And we could see in the life of that church how alive that place was and how much they had taken seriously their call to ministry. Well, on this first Sunday of after the Epiphany, we always hear about Jesus baptism. And it's interesting to me that uh, all four of the Gospels have an account of Jesus' baptism and also the Book of Acts and Romans. But there are only two accounts in the Gospels of Jesus' birth. And we're so focused on Jesus' birth, but yet I have a feeling in the first century that was not necessarily the focus. I think they were much more taken by the baptism of Jesus than they were about the story of his birth there may be a couple of reasons for that one I think is that perhaps there was nothing really notable about Jesus infancy and his childhood and and as a young man until his baptism we have that one account of him being in the temple and his parents uh, leaving him forgetting that he was he was there in the temple teaching but other than that there's really no account of what happened in those earlier years I've often thought that Perhaps Jesus had no sense of who he was as as the son of God until his baptism. And as I was listening to the readings, uh, both at eight o'clock and this morning, as Maureen read it, uh, I I think I have more of a sense of that than I have before. That for Jesus, he came out like everybody else did to John and John knew who he was (coughs) And the wonderful thing about what happened when Jesus came there, he walked out into those muddy waters of the Jordan and he identified with the people who were there. But his baptism was entirely different. It was not like any other baptism that happened that day. It was not John's baptism, but rather it was a tearing open of heaven is what the scripture says. And the dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And then that voice from heaven saying, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. I believe that that day for Jesus, he began to see who he was. I think it was his identity that became known to him that day. And then we know that the scripture says that he was driven out. Well, he wasn't just invited to the wilderness. The spirit drove him out into the wilderness. And it was there, I believe, that he grew more deeply into an understanding of who he was as he found himself tempted. And perhaps also during that time had a clearer understanding of the mission that he had been called to, to proclaim good news. Well, I think it's important for us to see that there is a clear connection between the baptism of Jesus and our baptism. Our baptism is sacramental. And we baptize babies who have no idea what is happening to them. But I think that a part of what happens and part of what we're saying in a sacramental baptism is that it's not about what we do. It's about what God does. God is the one who baptizes. And we hear in that uh, in, the, in the New Testament reading that that it was it was Christ that's baptizing in a sense these people who were being baptized. So God is the actor. It's not about us having some uh, some awareness of who we are in, in Christ, but rather it is something given to us freely. It is grace freely given from God, unwarranted, unearned in any way. It is a gift from God. And God is the one who acts at baptism. Now, that's very different from believer baptism, where people come to faith, make a profession of faith. Perhaps, though, where we miss out is when we don't teach our children as they're growing up the connection between their baptism and who they are in their identity and in their ministry, because all of them have a ministry, just like you and I. I think that where we need to focus more is on developing that faith as our children grow so that they have an understanding of who they are. You know, uh, it's part of the baptism. After the baptism itself, uh, one of the clergy will, will put oil on the thumb and sign the cross on the forehead of the, of the one being baptized and, and say, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. I think those are some of the most beautiful words found anywhere in the prayer book. But what it tells us is that baptism is about our identity. When we are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever, we are a part of the body of Christ. We are a part of the church. But growing into that requires that those of us who stand with these children and with adults who come to faith to be baptized, that we help them on that journey to live into who they are as a Christian, Our baptism service in the Episcopal Church contains the baptismal covenant It's found on page 304. You don't have to look at it now, but it really is our mission statement in the form of questions. And they they basically have to do with our promising that we will be engaged in the life of worship of the church. And there are a number of other things. And one of them that I think is particularly hard for us as I think about what's gone on this past week in, in Paris. And I think about uh, the way that uh, we have so much discourse that's so, un- that's so unpleasant in our own country. It's, it's this last question. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people? and respect the dignity of every human being. And it seems that we have a hard time doing that, Uh, especially now it seems between uh, people who are conservative and liberal and even the church. You know, our church says that all are welcome. Our church says, the Episcopal church says that we want diversity. We want all to be here. Well, that means people who are politically diverse as well. (laughs) <laughs> to, see, to see in the other person uh, goodness and to respect them, to respect the dignity of the other person. And I think of that a terrible situation in Paris where uh, the French are dealing with a very difficult situation in the way that Muslims have not been integrated into their society. And in our own country, I believe it has more to do with uh, those who are undocumented workers in our country. How do we treat them? Do we see them as people with dignity? So I think that that is one of the promises that we we really need to think about these days as we think about our baptism, the ministry that we've been called to. And we must always remember that the way we respond to those questions is, I will with God's help. And I think that that's what's most important for us to recall. We can't always do it, but we can With God's help, sometimes it feels just too hard for us, but always with God's help, we will be able to do something. My prayer for us today is that we will recall our baptism, not that we'll remember it because most of us were babies when it happened to us, but we'll recall our baptism. And every time there's a baptism here, as we hear those questions and respond, I will, with God's help, that we will think about what those questions mean and that we'll make them real in our lives, not just always focusing on ourselves, but looking outward to others. May God bless us on this day when we celebrate the baptism of Jesus. And may we always recall who we are and what we are called to. Amen. Amen.